Wow, it's so exciting to see so many new faces. I hope we can see them many times this year. Um, I particularly have a great love for all the eyes that smile all the time. And um, today uh, I've been given the, I guess, the honor of summarizing all our messages from last year. <laughs> and I, I think I can do this. Um, I only have seven pages here, not including the messages. But um, we will go through this. And so, you know, I ask myself, well, why do we want to take time to review? You know, let's just move forward. We're looking forward. But, you know, Randy spoke a, a number of Sundays back about taking time to look back and look forward in order to remember. And so we, we really look back to live life forward better, to live it better, to gain wisdom. And for many of us, not to let the words of God fall to the ground things that he might want to speak to us today. So I know a number of you haven't heard any of the messages from last year, but, um, you know, we have uh, this natural world that we live in, and then there's this spiritual world that we can't see. But every now and then, the blinds open up a little bit, and we're allowed to look into that spiritual world. And so God has sent his Holy Spirit to help us with that. And so I just really trust this morning as I share that that God's Spirit would speak to you somehow or another of what He's really trying to talk to you about today. So you may hear me say words, but within your mind and your heart, God may be saying something a little bit different, particularly just for you. And that's what you need to hear today. And so, um, as I looked through all these messages and was reading through the summaries that all the, all the speakers sent to me, um, it reminded me of a movie that I saw 26 years ago. So some of you aren't even that old, so um, I'm sure you haven't. You may have seen it, but you probably haven't. But it's an Indiana Jones movie, and um, it was the one Indiana Jones and the last. Crusade. I'm going to get the scripture. Just hang on. Okay. <laughs> so in this particular movie, there was this, the, this uh, desire to find what's called the Holy Grail. And by definition, the Holy Grail is, is the cup that Jesus Christ drank from the last supper that he had with his disciples. And so legend has it that this Holy Grail was still around and it's been guarded all these years by knights and there's a great desire to get this cup because if you get this cup and you drink from it, then you have life forever. And so that's what the legend says. But anyway, in the movie, to get to the cup, you have to go through the, these three tests. It's the test of the breath of God the word of God and the path of God just to get into this room supposedly where this cup is supposed to be. Well, Indiana Jones' father is shot by a bad man and the only hope he has is to get to this cup to save his dad. So he passes all these tests and gets in this room only to find that there's an old knight there that's been guarding this cup for 700 years waiting for the next person to come to take his place. And so Indiana Jones is about to explain to him that he's not there to take his place. He needs this cup so he can save his father. 
But as soon as he starts to explain this, the bad guy comes in who wants the cup just so that he can drink from it and have eternal life and have power over everybody. So he comes in and there are dozens of cups on this table. And he looks at the knight and says, which one is it? And the knight looks up at him, who's been there for 700 years, and says, you must choose, but choose wisely. For as the grail gives life, as the true grail gives life, so the false grail will take it from you. So he looks at all the cups. He spies one. It's a gold cup with jewels all around it. He gets the cup. He says, surely this is the cup of a king. And he goes over and he gets the water and he drinks the water. He closes his eyes and he just waits for the sensation of eternal life, the feeling of what it's going to feel like. And then all of a sudden, he jerks forward and he looks at his hands and they start to turn a different color. And he says, what is happening to me? And right before the night in Indiana Jones' eyes, he begins to decay right in front of him and then explodes into just a dust of powder on the floor. The old knight sitting there doesn't even break a smile. He just says, he chose poorly. (laughs) Now with that in mind, Indiana Jones realizes how important it is to choose the right cup. So he looks at all these cups and he finds one cup, a nondescript cup, unlike any others. And he grabs the cup and he says, there's only one way to find out. And he goes and he drinks the water. He looks back at the knight and the knight says, you have chosen wisely. And so he goes and he's able to save his father. And so as I've thought about these messages, this was the word that came to me. So now that you understand, last year we'll move on to this. <laughs> no, really, what what I really thought was life is all about choices. It's all about choices. Um, I um, was remembering uh, one of the quotes that I had seen. It says that a human being is a deciding being. And um, as I just reflected on that, it just reminded me of um, a verse in the Bible. So let me read this to you. It's in Deuteronomy 30. It starts in verse 15, and I'm just going to read selected parts of it. This is, this is basically God speaking, okay? See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments that God may bless you. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants 
by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days. So, as I've looked at these messages, it basically comes down to every message, not every, but the large majority of messages were about choosing. And choosing wisely. I think of Roger's messages. He had a number of messages about Caleb. Uh, So let me just kind of illustrate this by looking at just a few of them very quickly. I'm not going to expound on the message, but try to call to your remembrance some of what um, these titles were. How will you choose to look at your circumstances? I don't know if you remember that message or not, but will you look at them from underneath through an earthly lens? Or will you look at it from God's perspective? Will you try to look at your circumstances as though God might see them? Um, He had a message on uh, living in uh, cities of refuge. Uh, And he ended that message with this. Will you choose to live in safety under the protection of Jesus' righteousness. Will you choose to live your life under His righteousness rather than your own? He had another message on uh, misunderstanding good intentions. Um, And so from that, it's like, would you choose to be quick to hear and slow to speak? Because we jump to conclusions. We see somebody do something or say something, and then immediately, without understanding the backstory or their circumstances, oh, we make a judgment. So will we be chewed? Will we be quick or, or slow to, to quick to listen and slow to speak? Um, another one of his messages was about: Will we choose God's word as a resource? Are we gonna Are we gonna choose the world's wisdom about how to live our life? Or are we going to choose the wisdom of God? Are we going to choose the deceitfulness of sin for a season? Or are we going to choose the delightfulness of God in his ways? Bill spoke out of um, Philippians, which he has been doing for um, since I was about 25. No, not really. But there were choices. He gave us choices every Sunday. Will you choose to rejoice always? This almost builds on Roger's message. You choose to rejoice always, or do we allow our circumstances to tell us how we're going to respond to something? Will you choose to believe a lie or the truth? Remember that message? I'm sure you remember it. But we have choices. You know, I'm going to believe a lie. Maybe it's a life message. That, that we have. That's a lie. Are we going to believe the truth of who God says we are? How will you choose to think? Will you choose to think like this? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, how many times do we do that? How many times is it so much easier to think about things that are not lovely? Things that are not true. You know, because we've jumped to a conclusion about something somebody said. 
or something we've heard. Camille spoke, uh, gave an overview of the of the book of Job. Well, you know, as I thought about that, when we're in a place of suffering, we should ask God for understanding about why we're suffering. But if we don't get any understanding, we have to make a choice then. And the choice is, I'm going to become disillusioned, discouraged, disappointed. That's going to move me into to being uh, cynical and bitter. Am I going to choose to look at it that way? Or am I going to choose to be in my suffering in communion with Christ? You know, Oswald Chambers says it this way. If God has made your cup sweet, drink it with grace. But if he has made it bitter, drink it in communion with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we, we really have to make these choices when we find ourselves in a hard place or a place that we don't understand. Um, Greg's messages, uh, which were mostly out of 1 Kings and 1 John, um, but it was it all had to do with apostasy and uh, idolatry. And so much of the Bible is about God's sovereignty and us being able to recognize that, walk under that, versus choosing idols, other gods, whatever. And so, as a result of poor choices, God disciplines he punishes, and sometimes he has to just destroy, as we've seen in, in the scriptures. But we have a choice to believe that he's really supreme over all other gods, because he's the one that claims to be all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. And then he sent Christ in the form of a man, and no one in history has performed as many miracles as he has. He's performed, and they're all documented, not only just in the Bible, but in other literature. Yeah, there are saints that maybe have performed a God's used to perform a miracle, but no one like Christ, no one who's died and been raised from the dead like Christ. And so, if God, that is the God that's sovereign. And so we have to choose... Are we going to walk under that understanding or not? Um, other thoughts that were in, in, in our message was there was a parable about the barren fig tree. And one of the, the closing summary remarks was that the kingdom of God is not entered by drifting, but by decision. That's a choice. You make a decision. Um, And there were other choices that had to be made, but, but they these God wanted to show us that He made choices as well. And those choices uh, were illustrated in the when we looked at the book of Hosea. Um, God tells Hosea, "I want you to go find a prostitute, and I want you to love her and marry her." And so Hosea does that. This is a reflection of God's heart. Because Hosea represented God and his wife Gomer really represents us. A people that tend to go away from God. And so he loves, he marries Gomer. But Gomer then decides that I'm tired of 
Hosea, um, I'm going to go be attracted and be with other men. And so she does over and over and over until no longer is she desired at all. And God tells Hosea, find her, bring her back, redeem her and love her. And he does is to show him he made a choice as in lovely as I am. He continues to love me in spite of the times when my heart strays from him. When when our hearts move away from him, he continues to love us. Um, he takes the time to ask us important questions. We looked at blind Bartimaeus. Jesus on the road to be crucified has enough compassion to stop for a nobody, a blind man on the side of the road. Calls him to himself and asks this question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? God, by His Spirit, is here today in this room. And He asked that question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you in 2016? What do you want me to do for you for eternity? So, choose wisely how you answer that question. Um, the same thing with Jonah. Jonah did not have the heart and compassion of God, but God didn't squish him like a bug. He had compassion on him. He says, do you have a good reason to be angry? Wouldn't you like to be asked that question first before being punished? And then maybe in, in God's gentleness, He explained to you, you really don't have a reason to be angry. Um, you know, I, I just was amazed at how, how many times it's like God over and over last year, here are your choices. Choose wisely. Choose rightly. You know, a couple of uh, messages that particularly stood out to me and which I think kind of propel us into 2016 were messages by Tim and message by Arthur. And, you know, Tim's message about God wanting each of us to, to be an influence, whether it's for the person beside us, our big or little sister or brother, our family, or a whole nation. All the while, he's preparing us to be people of influence. And, and we have a choice. We can influence people for good, or we can influence them for evil. Um, but particularly, the other message of Tim's was Psalm 23 about the, the, the Lord, about the Lord being our shepherd, and and coming to the place to do we really choose to believe He's with us? Is He really with us? You know, it's one thing to have a place of influence and an opportunity to step out on that stage of influence is another thing to step out there with a confidence that God's with me. God's with me today. I can speak with a confidence because he's given me this opportunity. Um, and then I remember particularly one of the things that just blessed me as I was reading through this um, Yes, Tim, Tim, I took this out of Tim's notes. God often uses the uneducated, unremarkable, and unimportant persons to be persons of influence. And if there was ever an example of that, 
It's this man sitting right here, Arthur. God looks down at a, a little boy down in Panama and says, I think I'll use that little kid for my glory. You got an education. You know, your testimony is remarkable. And you're a man of importance. You're going back to a country. You're going to have a place of influence. And so Arthur's words to us, well, when you get that place, what are you supposed to do with it? If you remember when he talked to us, we're ambassadors. Everything he was about, oh, it was good to get the degree, but really there were bigger things God had for him to do. And he saw that. And so, you know, we need to learn to walk in that place of being every day an ambassador, a messenger for people to, hey, you need to choose life. Here's how to choose life. So I, I think for me, you know, it's like I really would like to lay down every night and have the night of nights say to me, you have chosen wisely today. I delight in you. You have brought joy to my heart. Wouldn't that be a neat thing when you lay down at night to have this sense that God's looking down and says, you're my son, you're my daughter. You've chosen wisely today. I've delighted in that. I'm delighted in watching you walk before me. Um, so I have this one verse that I, I just want to offer up as maybe a verse for us to to think about this year. It's out of Psalms. It's Psalms 90, 16 and 17. And this is what it says. It says, let your work, your being God, let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Do you hear that, Carla? Yes. And your majesty to your children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And so I read this and I think, let your work appear before us. Because if we can see where he's working, if he opens our eyes to see where he's working, that's an invitation. Come join me. In places we don't see him working, we're not invited there. Somebody else is. And so open our eyes to see where you're working so we can join you. And really, let, let, our, let our children and the babies yet to be, we're believing for that, the babies yet to be, all our children, would see the majesty of God. Let His favor be upon us. And I like the alternate translation of let and confirm for us the work of our hands. It says, and give permanence to the work of our hands. Who here wants to put their hands to things that will last? Not he, here today and gone tomorrow. Give permanence to the work of our hands. Psalm 90, 16 and 17. So that's it. You know, I just really feel like the Lord is just saying, hey, I've put before you the choice. Choose life. I want you to choose life so things will go well with you, as it says in Deuteronomy. I mean, he almost pleads with the people, please choose life so things will go well with you. And that's kind of what I wanted to say today. So hopefully, hopefully you 
can take something away and take it into the new year and, and really um, meditate on it. So let's have a prayer, and then are we going to have Lord's Supper? Father, thank you. Thank you that you continue to speak to us over and over. Lord, that, that it's not out of pride, it's not out of jealousy, but you really say, choose me. You want us to choose you because you have great things in store for us. Lord, you have things that you desire for us to, to walk and to be with you for eternity. For surely we know, Lord, there's life after this life. And you give us a way to be confident about what that will be for us. So I thank you, Father, that you never tire of asking us to choose you, to choose to be wise in our choices. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're coming to a, a time in our service where periodically we observe the Lord's Supper. This is, this is not, this one, this is not the Holy Grail. And it's not important. What's important is what's inside. And so we come to this time in our uh, service today where we partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, one represents his body. The bread represents his body. And the cup represents his blood. Body broken for us on the cross. Blood shed for us uh, as a sacrifice to cover our sins. This is not just for people that go to Gateway Christian Fellowship. It's for all believers. Any, anyone that professes Christ as Lord is able to take of this. And so I would just encourage you, if you haven't come to faith yet and you feel like God is pulling on your heart today, to, to trust Him. Trust Him with your life. Believe that Jesus Christ has done this for your behalf then I just invite you to, to let us know that and come and be a part of that. If you haven't, there'll be a day because God is pursuing every person. He is after all of us. And in, our, in, in His time, He will reveal Himself in such a way that you'll say yes. And so that's our prayer, that's our hope as we, as we begin to participate in this particular thing as we walk into this new year. And so um, I'm going to invite you to, to just bow your head, prepare yourself, examine to see if you're of the faith. Um, maybe it's the first time you're deciding, I really believe that God came to the earth. He did this so that He could have relationship with me. You just pray in your own way and we're going to prepare to have this. Greg, if you would come up and help me. Greg is going to uh, pray over these elements. They're just bread and grape juice. But what they symbolize is something much greater than that. And then we'll, we'll step over here, and if you would come down this aisle, dip the bread and the juice and partake, and then go back to your seats this way. Um, 
One of the great men of the Bible was Paul. And he was an apostle that was called by God at a time different than all the other apostles. And he persecuted the church tremendously. In fact, he had many, many Christians killed because he thought that they were leading people astray away from the God of, of Judah, of Judaism. But God struck him down off of his on his road, he was going to Damascus to persecute more people in the church, and God appeared to him and struck him down and, and made him blind for a season. And then he trained Paul. But this is what it says in the book of Galatians that I wanted to read. Paul says, But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And he goes on. <clears throat> but when God, there's a time, there's a time for everybody, a time for everything, where God says, this is now. Not some other time, it's right now. There's a time for me and there's a time for you. He says God called him from his mother's womb. Before he was ever born, God had said, Paul is mine. But he let him persecute the church. He let him kill Christians before he opened his eyes and changed his heart and brought him to faith. So it doesn't make any difference what you've done in the past. There's a time. There's a time when God is called and says, now, no more what you used to be. No more what you have done, who you are now. There's always a calling of God, and there's always a now. And we need to be able to recognize that. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, before I was ever born, called me through his grace. And then God was pleased to use him to preach to her. Who knows how many thousands of people and since thousands and thousands of people come to the Lord and used him to write a good part of the New Testament. So you pray and ask God if this is your time. And if you believe, then you take. And if you don't, then you wait and ask God to open your eyes. <coughs> Thank <laughs> you.